Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. I know. I see you shaking your head. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I think I'm going to fix that this week. I'm going to send okay. it out. So That'd be uh, awesome. Kirsten is, uh, I know she's on the phone. She heard all of this, that intro. That is, right. uh, that is the longest intro in the history of podcast shows. Oh, so I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> we're going to, uh, there's a middle segment in that that could be carved out and mm -hmm. shorten that up by about at least a third. Um, I'm going to take care of that. I got to get that shit back over to him and, and uh, have him work on it and then send it back. And, mm -hmm. but, uh, and, and Sean, you do realize it's about progress, not perfection. Yeah, well, I'm learning <laughs> yeah. that. Um, Except we've right. been talking about doing this for like two years. And every time okay. it comes on, I just shake my head. Nope, no, she is, she's we haven't done it yet. About You're halfway. You're critique yourself way more than anyone else will. About halfway through that intro, I look over and she's just shaking her head. And I was like, oh. This is dragging on. So, <laughs> the cell ring. Let's say it 40 times. The cell ring. Oh, my um, God. You're branding yourself. Yeah. 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 Speaking of branding good. yourself, uh, you have a great brand. And let's introduce you real quick. Yeah. Um, Kirsten Flory. She's out of Lawrence, Kansas. And she owns a brokerage called Foundations Commercial Real Estate. Mm -hmm. I... Uh, Kirsten and I first met several years ago. I don't know if you remember this or not, but we first met over in Topeka. We did. Uh, yeah. You remember that big, kind of a big project over there? I we think, did have uh, a big, fun project, didn't we? <laughs> you know what's interesting is that's uh, that's still going on. I just talked to a it guy is. the other day, and he said we're <laughs> they're still chipping away at that thing. But Isn't that uh, crazy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that uh, that fella had amassed a lot of property. So. Mm. Um, but that's where we first met. I was very impressed uh, at that time. The uh, just the, your, your knowledge about the commercial sector and the materials that I was looking at. Um, just uh, I was, um, you know, commercial is its own animal. It's uh, much different than just raw land or farm and ranch land. It's much different than residential. Um, it it takes the right kind of person and uh, knowledge and personality to operate in that space. So I was excited whenever uh, you know I asked about uh, come you're coming on this show and you said yeah. Well, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's been great to see your progression as too. And I know that you know we got introduced because I had a larger commercial client who needed to reposition their assets, and they have a number of assets predominantly in Topeka, but across kind of northeast Kansas. And unfortunately, when you when you work with somebody with a portfolio that size, and, and I'm using the word reposition and, and hopefully a nice light, sometimes you need to engage an auction service because you need to get them moved pretty quickly. And so, Sean, you've been a great resource for me and my work over the years to try to, you know, help provide solutions for clients because sometimes time isn't always on your side. Right. And that was a great opportunity to evaluate and go down that road with you. I would say in the auction business, time is typically not on your side. It's <laughs> right. People wait to the very last minute and then call an auctioneer and it's like, hey, can we do this yesterday? Well, we'll need a little more time than yeah. that. Right. Right. I know. It so, was going to happen yesterday. So are you from Lawrence? Are you from that area originally? I'm not. I actually grew up in Omaha 
And oh. I came to this neck of the woods to attend the University of Kansas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like a lot of us, we meet our loves. And I met my husband well, during our time in college, and he is from the area. And no, I honestly, I didn't think I would be staying in Lawrence, Kansas after I graduated from, from KU. And I did. And, and I think there's something about this area that really draws you in. So I've been very fortunate to not only, you know, live and raise a family here, but also um, grow my career here. It's been, it's been wonderful. You know, like a lot of those university cities and, and the campuses that surround uh, or the, the cities that surround the campus are they're mm-hmm. kinda they, they all have their own personality and mm-hmm. Lawrence is a special place. You yeah, know, it's just it it's very warming and it's uh, kinda got that small hometown feel, but yet you get around Massachusetts Street out there, it's just it's still got uh, plenty to offer and it uh, yeah, it's a it's a yeah. special town. It is. You got that boutique feel. You got really unique restaurants and shops, and and you know a lot of a lot of things happening with arts and culture. And if you just you know for those of you that have visited college towns across the United States, um, it's no different. But you're right. It is very special. Here's a question that I wanted to to ask you. How long have you had your brokerage license? So I've only had my brokerage license less than a year. Oh wow! But I've been yeah. But I've but I've been a, a licensed real estate agent for almost ten years. Okay, so let's let's yeah. scroll back ten years, and most people, male or female, when they get their real estate license, typically enter the residential sector. That's mm-hmm. where most licensees migrate to. I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you a question. You know, when I first met uh, you. I wanted to ask you about this, but why commercial real estate? Why that that kind of niche market? That's a good question because when I was first asked to do this, I had never even considered real estate as a career. I had um, my background was in banking. I did business development for a large um, credit union and company that was headquartered in four different states. So I had a more of a Midwest presence. But I think what drew me the most was a couple things. Um, most importantly, I wanted to own my own business and real estate allows you even as an agent to be an independent contractor. So that was interesting to me. And I know at the time at, at my position with this credit union, and they were a phenomenal company to work with. I love the culture. I love the flexibility. I love the fact that I got to be really creative in what I did. And I got to help business owners and the public find financial solutions and making the transition into commercial real estate over residential Honestly, no offense to my residential you know, real estate colleagues, um, that just wasn't an area of, of business that really interested me because, I mean, I was more business focused. I love the analytics. I love the strategy. I love the economic development impact that commercial real estate has. And working in Lawrence, I, I've been very fortunate to be very involved in the community through my efforts with you know, the Chamber of Commerce and, and other boards and stuff through the university and, and the county as a whole. That is where I felt like my, my strengths lie. And so commercial real estate, the skill set wasn't as different than banking. I mean, I understood commercial lending and I understood, mm-hmm. you know, how do you put a business together? And I, what I realized is that my, you know, predominantly I work with clients in the Lawrence area, but also, you know, in Kansas City and Topeka as well. But my wheelhouse is really small business, small business, meaning a company with 150 employees ish or less, because it's somebody, somebody that owns a company that is either um, statewide or local or regionally located that needs solutions, not just from a real estate perspective, but they need solutions from, you know, how do, how do they level up financially? How do they build wealth? Mm -hmm. How do they recruit employees? How do they market their companies? You know, how am I just, I might be only transacting with them on the, on the real estate, the physical property side, but I'm, I'm a larger advisor than that. And I found a huge amount of value 
through that through that industry and then you know turn you know had a lot of have a lot of success with doing that well i i think that that's you hit on maybe the most intimidating part of that decision is um commercial real estate tends to focus more on the mm-hmm. financial attributes of the property than residential does and that sometimes I think is overwhelming to people that don't right. have uh, a finance <laughs> sure. background or was in the banking industry. So you, right. uh, yeah. Yeah. And then the wider value, I mean, what you're really doing is you're building client um, and you're building relationships mm-hmm. in your business, mm-hmm. especially when you offer services that are much broader than just a real estate transaction. Correct. I would completely agree. And even though, I mean, I, you hit on something too, it's, yes, it's relationship driven. And I could probably say, gosh, if, if you're in the service industry, um, it's all relationship driven. But I think that you're right. I, I would say, in my experience, commercial real estate tends to be a little more financial and analytic focused for the most part. And residential real estate tends to be a little more emotional because you're buying your home for them. I mean, you're buying your a place you're going to lay your head down at night. And, you know, so those decisions tend to happen a little differently than in a commercial setting. But at the same time, it's 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 broader than just when I when I'm successful, my clients are successful and they're successful in all areas of the business, not just the physical real estate side. How is uh, let's talk a little bit about your company, Foundations Commercial Real Estate. So that's uh, that's a new venture for you. It's a new venture for me. And I, you know, I. I think a lot of us had took the time during COVID, and I'm going to, you know, call that our earmark in history, took the time over COVID to maybe evaluate how we work, mm-hmm. you know, who we work with and what our future path looks like. And I know, you know, some of the things we, we probably plan to talk about on your podcast is remote working and what does really the, the new work environment look like. Mm-hmm. But for me, you know, I mean, starting in 2020 when the world shut down and, you know, trying to figure out how do you navigate that with clients and how do you navigate that with you know, how you work day to day when you can't come into an office and who you collaborate with. I found out, I would say pretty quickly, you know, the way I I ran my business, even as an independent contractor working for another broker changed. The way I ran my business changed. And I realized that, you know what, some of the things that that maybe I did in the past could could be discontinued. And some of the things that I thought, gosh, this would allow me to grow in a different way and to serve my clients better changed. And I'd always have it in the back of my mind. I mean, even when I came into the real estate industry, it's like, I, I really want to own my own business. And it's not for everybody. I mean, not everyone is built to be their own broker. Not everyone is built to be their own company president. Um, and I, I completely respect that. But I think for me, just because of how I'm built and what my goals were, that's something that really started to hit me hard, you know, back in twenty, the summer of 2020. And it was just putting the plan together. And it was just figuring out, okay, what does this mean for me? How do I serve my clients better? I don't want to be a one-size-fits-all necessarily. I mean, I like I said before, it's it's I work with small business owners in this region, and I'm really good at it. And then how am I connecting them with other like-kind resources where at the end of the day, it's not about the dollars I make from them. It's about growing each other, and the dollars come. Um, it, it was a huge leap of faith to do it. But I think like with any any good business person that puts the plan together and you work the plan and you rework the plan and you maybe you take, take two steps forward and one step back, you know, it was a leap of faith when I finally decided um, to leave my old brokerage last fall. But if anything, it, it's been amazing and remarkable. And, you know, clients, I think, wanted to just work with me. They didn't care if I was work with one brokerage or another. They think they really appreciated and admired the fact that I wanted to do it myself 
And, you know, as I'm, as I'm building my team and my outreach, it's been, you know, probably something I've always dreamed of doing. It's probably been better than what I anticipated it to be. And I really look forward to continuing to grow, you know, in this, in this realm, but also expanding what I do. So that business ownership really allowed me to do that and kind of get really creative on how I, how I brand myself and my, my own culture and what services I offer to clients and how I communicate with them. So Kirsten, you actually told, yeah. you said something about taking one step forward and two steps back. Yeah, um, sure. What were some of the challenges you were seeing when you were, um, especially during, you know, post-COVID, uh, yeah. when you were opening up your new your new brokerage there? Yeah, yeah. what an interesting so, time to yeah. open a brokerage, too. <laughs> I know, isn't that yeah. crazy? So I think, okay, but, and this is, this is good advice for any business owner, not just real estate brokerage. If you are a small business owner or you're somebody that's thinking about taking the leap, um, I always feel a lot of comfort if I know exactly where my finances lie. If I know, okay, what what needs to come into my life to make sure all my bills are paid? And mm-hmm. I know when even even when I took the leap working for a credit union and I had a salary and benefits and I went into working 100% commission. And that that is scary for most people. Yeah. I mean, it was scary yeah. for me. And I thought, I had to think long and hard. And my husband and I sat down. I'm like, what do we need to make our household run? I mean, thankfully, my husband also works full time. But it's like, what do we need bare bones minimum to make sure that, you know, the bank doesn't call us and want our house back, you know? And so it's first setting up that budget and then thinking, okay, where is my emergency fund? Mm-hmm. And for us, it was savings, but we also took out a home equity line of credit. I'm like, I needed an emergency fund that if for some reason I wasn't going to get paid for six months to a year, where would that come from? And making sure we had that safety net. And that gives me, even to this day, that gives me a lot of calm and comfort in my life. So thinking about starting a new brokerage, I already knew I had a customer base mm-hmm. and I already knew what I was capable of. So during 2020, yeah, my my um, sales and my leases, what I made that year took a hit because a lot of things were postponed. They didn't get canceled, but they were postponed. And yeah. so something that, and in commercial, this is another thing, commercial real estate versus residential real estate, your timeline for closing is lots longer. And I know, you know, some of my colleagues in, in residential real estate, they they sign up a client and they have a closing in 30 to 60 days or what we've seen in the past couple of years, they have a closing in 15 days. I mean, yeah. it happens fast. So your the transactions happen faster. Your volume can happen faster. In commercial, it's not that way. I mean, sometimes once in a blue moon, you might sign a lease, you know, when it happens in 30 days. But for the most part, um, you know, the the trajectory from signing up a new client to actually finalizing the space, whether it's a lease or a purchase might be six to nine months. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, managing your pipeline accordingly. So, you know, you have, you have future business. And so, you know, going during COVID, I realized pretty quickly, I'm like, I know what I need to function on because, you know, my business slowed down a little bit that year, but then it revved right back up the next year. And it's just, I think having the confidence to take the leap and saying, Hey, listen, how can I do this better? How can I do it more efficiently for myself and my clients? What things are they looking for that I can't currently offer them right now in my current position? That was a big question I had to ask myself. And I started asking my clients, like, what are you looking for? How can I do this better for you? What resources can I help you grow? So that way I get your return business, but also I'm getting your referral business. And so, I mean, looking, looking pretty hard. And I think sometimes it's those downturns in the economy that allow us to really reevaluate how well we do our business. I mean, I go back to 2008, 2009 when I was in the banking business. It's always great. It's always great to reflect on past economic recessions or downturns mm-hmm. to see, okay, what did you change about your business during those tough times 
if they roll a true tough for you, and if you're a solid business, they're never going to be tough because you roll right through them. Mm-hmm. But what did you change? What did you realize? And how did you come out the other side and you're even stronger? So back in eight and nine, when we went through a housing crisis in a very different way, we saw a lot of our you know home builders or contractors or subcontractors fail really quickly because they either did one of two things. They, they were right in that bubble in 2007 and were building like nobody's business and maybe overextended themselves. They didn't have the capital and they didn't have the reserves to go through the, to go through the down cycle. I mean, who could have predicted it, but it happened and it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe they expanded too fast. The ones that survived came out of that cycle stronger and better than they were before. It might've taken a few years to get back there, but I, you know, talking with, and I'm thinking, you know, people in this neck of the woods in the Kansas City, Lawrence, Topeka area, Northeast Kansas, it's like they are a stronger, better company than they were, you know, post 2008, which is which is awesome to see because I think they realized a lot about how they function and what what's really important and where their assets need to lie and what improvements they need to make, you know. So cause sometimes I think we get lost in the everyday and we're like, we, we tell ourselves that's the way it's always been done. You know, if you're in a certain industry, well, that's how it's done. I don't want to challenge you, but does it have to be that way? Well, let's, does it, let's does, talk. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Let's talk about <laughs> Yeah, well, you're on a roll well, yeah, and, and you're it. giving yeah, some yeah, great sure. information. But let's talk about that just a second. Right. We saw that in our own business. Yeah, sure. COVID hit. People are working remote. They're not coming into the office. Our affiliates are still wanting, um, which there's a lot of them across the country, and they're wanting training. They're wanting, uh, you know, listing assistance and things. We became a lot better at outbound communications. Oh, yeah. And I think had COVID not happened, we wouldn't be near as um, progressive in that department. And we wouldn't have taken that initiative. Sometimes you need to be forced, Mm -hmm. you know, to take a leap like that. And I, so it wasn't all bad because to your point and what triggered this, you said a lot of companies are a lot better companies today because mm-hmm. of what they had to go through in those economic downturns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. Uh, today we're giving a lot of, we use zoom. Yeah. That's uh, we what give I was about to say. Think about where zoom was before 2020. Oh yeah, if you it had, was not heard of. Nobody if you had the foresight like, no. to buy stock yeah. in zoom before COVID, <laughs> right? uh, that was a good move. Yeah. But uh, we're, we're utilizing that, doing a lot of outbound video marketing, a lot of conference calls, things that we did a little bit of, but not near to the magnitude that we do that today. And I'm, I'm sure you're seeing that in the commercial sector in your own business. Most definitely. And really, it's, it's kind of the thought of you're meeting people where they are at, because not everyone likes to communicate the same way you do. Mm-hmm. And just understanding and, and the fluidity of business. I mean, some people work the best if they can call you at 630 in the morning while you're in your robe, drinking your coffee on your patio. If that's the best time for them, you can either decide pretty quickly, do I want to take advantage of and meet them where they are? Or am I going to force them into it? I can't answer the phone until eight. I mean, it's just it's just different ways of thinking about your business and being open to the fact that, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed that I own the business and that I can work whenever to, you know, good and bad. But if, if I'm taking calls at, for example, 630 in the morning in my bathroom, <laughs> which are my coffee, that then allows me some other opportunities throughout the rest of my day. Do I get to have a, you know, a date night with my husband, or do I get to take off early, or do I get to, you know, experience other things throughout the flexibility of my life space that might not look as traditional as an eight to five. And that's exactly where I wanted to be. 
Well, the great thing that Zoom had the foresight in for for people that are kind of shaped like I'm shaped is I can mm-hmm. take those calls in the morning with or without the video function. Yeah. There and, you go. Uh, they yeah. had the foresight for that. So I can be in my bathrobe right. and, and you wouldn't have to look at me. <laughs> Thank God for yes. that. Yes. Yeah, thank you. I know. <laughs> thank you, world. <laughs> yeah, COVID had, uh, wow, I, I mean, a, a global pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it just uh, it just came out of left field. I mean, I assume mm-hmm. they do that, but it, it just, looking back on it, it seems like it went from country to country almost overnight. Yeah. It just, uh, mm-hmm. I think that was a huge wake-up call for a virus and how quickly that can spread around the planet. Is it, 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 We've become a lot more mobile. You know, I mm-hmm. read that, yeah. um, I was reading an article in maybe the first or second year of COVID, and uh, it said the spread of the disease has changed it because people think, oh, it's gotten in the air, you know, it's airborne or whatever. So it's, it's person to person, you know, yeah. we're, we're transmitting. But you have to realize this is not like uh, the Spanish flu or whatever. Yeah, we're not, Pe- we're not in horses and buggies and trains. That's exactly anymore. right. People, <laughs> yeah. people travel intracontinent a lot more than they did back in 1920, you know. Right. So yeah. we're uh-huh. carrying that stuff with us from coast to coast, from, you know, around the globe yeah. and, uh, it's it's interesting just how quick that can cycle. I, I think that gave oh, us a yeah. glimpse into how you know tragic it can get very quick if we don't take mm-hmm. care of ourselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. most definitely. But it also it goes. I mean, not that I want to ever compare you know our the positive things in our life to a virus, but it also impacts like how quickly things can change in your life. How quickly mm-hmm. that things can go with you know with the viral concept and really you know messages can spread and the beauty of the technology that we have in our lives now allow us to access people and resources across the globe within minutes of each other. And that's what I think COVID taught me is the fact that we can, we can tap into talents and we can tap into resources that aren't necessarily down the street from us. Right. And I, you know, a lot of, a lot of my clients that, that were able to embrace the remote work and for every industry from, you know, engineering and architecture to computer design to even finance, those that really said, okay, you know, big gulp, let's do this. Let's figure out a way. How can we recruit and, and grow our company the best way possible in an untraditional way and utilizing technology to do that? I think if, if they're willing to embrace it, what a, what a beautiful thing. And actually, what a stronger organization. But also what that means from a real estate perspective, I get this question a lot too. It's like, how did, how did COVID impact re- real estate space, yeah, office yes. space, retail space, right? That's the, that's the big right, question. Uh, right. So here's what I like to tell people. Real estate is always changing, always changing, whether you're ex- expanding or you're, you're shrinking. And if I can use retail as an example, I, retail is probably has been the most volatile area of commercial real estate I, you know, since I've been in the business for the reason that our choices change. I mean, sometimes we love Mexican food, but, you know, maybe the new thing is Indian food. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, from, from market to market or just trends come out and who could have predicted that, you know, somebody like a Chick-fil-A that's closed one day of the week is so successful. It's yeah. like, oh, so my now, husband right? has a whole theory that he could open up two Chick-fil-A's across the street from an existing Chick-fil-A and they would all three right. be just as busy. Cra- yeah. I mean, <laughs> just lines out the street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like, where did, where did that company come from? Exactly. I mean, they're out of yeah. Oklahoma and they're closed. I mean, I'm just, but, but it's interesting when you take a deeper dive into that type of a model 
and you get to understand, okay, what makes them successful and, and, you know, a, a rival, not as successful. What is it about them? Then you start breaking down into complexities of they, there's the quote secret sauce. I mean, it's the, it's the freshness of the food. It's the quality of the food. It's the it's staffing and the culture and mm-hmm. the, the ease, which you can go through the line and how fast it's all of these teeny tiny micro elements that make them crazy successful. And if we take that concept and apply it to our own companies, that's when the real estate comes into fact. And so people automatically assume during COVID, oh, well, the world shut down. So therefore, we're going to have all these vacant buildings. That's not the case. Because believe it or not, companies, some companies didn't do well, I, I hands down. They had to shut down really, really fast. And it, it hurts my heart to see that. But even locally, you know, we obviously restaurants and hospitality were hit the hardest because people physically couldn't go in there and eat. I mean, right. that, that, that made sense right away. But the companies that, and I kind of go back to, if you're not capitalized and you don't have those reserved, yeah, that's going to be a crazy, scary time. And I don't want you to have to shut your business after 30 or 60 days. But if you have to shut your business after 30 or 60 days of a downturn, there's something wrong with your plan in the get-go. And I know that's a tough, that's a tough nut to swallow. And that's a hard message to deliver. But I never want, when I work with businesses and they're doing this for the first time and I'm showing them space and I'm like, Hey, what do you, what, tell me about your business. And they're like, Hey, I'm going to open a donut shop. I'd be like, that's wonderful. Tell me more. And they might say, I, I've, I cook donuts in my kitchen and I serve them to friends and family. And people say I should do this. My next question is, is like, tell me about your finances. And they kind of look at me sometimes. I'm like, I'm not your banker. But I want I don't want to put you into a space that you can afford today that 30 days from now you're failing and there's no way to, to bring it back to life and you've just lost a hundred thousand dollars. I don't want to be in that position and I don't want you know the tenant of the landlord or represented to be in that position. So what what COVID taught us is that even businesses that are readjusting their size, maybe they're going, maybe they're an office user that went from five thousand square feet to two thousand square feet. That's not a bad thing because one thing that's that's adjusting and that's opening up different kinds of space for different kinds of users. I think we think of businesses downsize. That's a bad thing. I look at it as a good thing because then you just opened up an opportunity for another user to come in and backfill what they're going for. So it's just readjusting the market space. You know, I I agree with that 100 percent. And I think in all businesses outside of retail, restaurants and things, there are efficiencies in the business. Yeah. And over time, there's, uh, you know, complacency sets in and you just, it's like, you, you start accumulating more and more. It's like, oh, we need a little bit more off space. We need this. Mm-hmm. Do you really? I mean, was that? Right. And business has evolved around you. So what you maybe needed at one time, you don't really need through the advent of, of technologies and future technologies. And uh, it's, it, it gives you the ability to operate in smaller confined spaces to where you, mm-hmm. you know, once had 50 people in a room. Maybe those 50 people aren't in the room with you anymore, but they still work for the company. Right. Right. We're seeing some right. very large corporations, even here in Kansas City, that are starting to offload some of the office buildings and office space because they're um, – much like I said earlier, COVID forced, you know, us to start training and to reaching out and doing uh, uh, videos, doing conference calls, doing things like that on a much larger level by necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And then we found out, you know what, this is actually working. Yeah. You know, we're, we're successful doing this and now we're starting to cut down overhead and, 
You, mm-hmm. you look at some of these large corporations that have um, a tremendous amount of personnel, and maybe they started to realize on the backside of this pandemic that those personnel can be just as functional and, and uh, just as efficient, maybe even more efficient, working you know, from a private space from their home if the quality and the quantity of the work's getting done. And at the same time, you cut your overhead. You can reduce your overhead tremendously by not having, you know, these huge buildings where you can operate out of 20% of that space. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Most definitely. So I always encourage people to think about vacancy is actually not a bad thing. Vacancy is opportunity. And for those of you that live in the Kansas City or Northeast Kansas area, or, you know, if if you've been watching the news at all, um, we just had a huge announcement by Panasonic, who is going to be opening up a ginormous plant that's going to impact our, our region in a huge way. And so part of me is actually a little bit thankful for if we do have those vacancies, what an opportunity yeah, for, for somewhere a company. To put them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, we're, we're scrambling here. Yeah. It's like we want we want growth mm-hmm. in a great way. But, it, you know, sometimes growth is scary because you don't have the spot. So vacancy, vacancy equilibrium is, is a really wonderful thing to understand and embrace. And I, I do an annual report where I talk about vacancy rates in, in the Lawrence, Kansas market from a commercial real estate perspective. And it's, it's explaining those dynamics. Vacancy is good. Now, too high a vacancy isn't great. But if you can manage that, if, if there's no vacancy, that means no opportunity. And nobody wants that. Right. Kirsten, I couldn't agree more. When we come back, I I want to explore with you just a little bit more on this whole work from home, uh, maybe right there in Lawrence around you, what you're Mm -hmm. seeing as as far as available office space. But we're going to slip away. We're going to hear from our sponsors. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more from Kirsten Floyd. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? unitedcountry.com over 30,000 farm recreational and lifestyle properties are just a click away helping people find their american dream for over 90 years we will help you find yours log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom thinking about selling a real estate investment but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. 
And we're back in the studio. We've been visiting with Kirsten Flory. Uh, She's the president, has a brokerage firm called Foundations Commercial Real Estate in Lawrence, Kansas. And Kirsten, while we were on break, we we talked a little bit um, in detail about some of the uh, kind of the employment, uh, that work from home or remote employment, whatever you want to call it. Um, undoubtedly that's, that's maybe created in most markets, uh, a little bit of available office space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like for, you know, I'd like for you to comment right there in Lawrence and around the market area that you serve. Are you seeing an uptick in available office space? And then maybe we could talk a little bit about what, is that going to be retrofitted into something else? You know, what happens, what's the future of that office space if, uh, if companies are not starting to fill that back up with employees? Sure. You know, thankfully, you know, from, from, I'm going to say from 2020 to today, um, yeah, we saw a little, little downturn in in the vacancy rates, meaning increased vacancy rates in the office sector a little bit. Um, But for the most part, if you're an office user, your company probably didn't take as much of a hit. If you were able to pivot and you were able to still embrace, hey, how can my clients still connect with me if they can't physically walk in the door? But we're also finding, too, even industries, I mean, industries as big as Google and the, and the Facebooks or the metas of the world, you know, um, looking at remote work. And some people thrive in remote work. But that doesn't mean that they necessarily completely pulled away from the office. They might just have more flex space, meaning they're only in the office a day or two a week, but they still need to have a desk to, to work from. We've also seen office spaces, you know, any anytime there's a readjustment like this, it's a great opportunity for either building owners or landlords to then infuse some more upgrades into their spaces, meaning upgraded, te- you know, finishes, upgraded technologies, mm-hmm. you know, upgraded. You talked about training spaces and Zoom calls, having spaces where that can happen more, more naturally than trying to, you know, cram everybody around a computer. So, you know, just rethinking spaces a little differently. So like that's maybe adding positive. a podcast studio or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about that, like that. And Trina, I'm glad you brought that up too, because really, I mean, you know, my podcast is fairly young. I kicked uh-huh. mine off in November of 19, and yours is, you know, yours is young too. But believe it or not, seeing more people come into the space, whether it's developing an actual podcast or maybe having more YouTube mm-hmm. exposure or just social media exposure, people have a have realized there's a chance for me to tell my story in an online venue. Um, that reaches a totally different audience or an expanded audience base that they couldn't do or didn't do before just having a physical brick and mortar. Yeah. So, you know, companies that really got involved, hey, this is a medium that is open 24-7, and for the most part, it's free. How do I start communicating in that way? Mm-hmm. I work a lot. I still work a lot in the banking industry. I have a lot of clients that are in that world, and that's a conversation we're constantly having about, like, what does the branch brick and mortar look like? You know, you see banks downsizing their footprints, but maybe they downsize their big footprints, but maybe they're opening a lot more smaller footprints. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you just, just, it's not that they're, you know, downsizing their overall square footage. They're just chunking it up a little differently. And how are they, how are they interacting with their public a little differently? You know, so it's just, it's just rethinking the space. And, you know, Sean, you asked me, is there a lot of available office space in Lawrence, Kansas? Not exactly. <laughs> There's there's a little bit enough to, you know, to, to still have some opportunity. But I think Lawrence, Kansas is poised to grow from a commercial real estate standpoint big time. It's just finding the available land to grow in. And I know, you know, you wanted to ask me what's going moving forward. So I'll kinda I'll kinda wait for your feedback on that. But it's it's 
looking at opportunities not only in the market that I work in, but really across our region. How can we continue to look forward and develop more more opportunities like that? Yeah. I was uh, I was sitting here reading, you know, while you were talking, I was looking and uh, you have your podcast, The Small Business Mindset. So you've written a book. You've written a book about that, uh, an e-book. And is that uh, that's been out for a while. Uh, the Small Business Mindset, How to Turn Your Idea into Business. And, right. Uh, so tell me, tell me about that, and then I want to ask <laughs> you about. I want to ask you about the next one here too, because I yeah. I like to play golf a little bit. I'm I'm not that good at it. But, uh, I was also I can't reading wait for that part of the conversation. Yeah, I was also right. reading about golfing in heels, and I haven't yet right. tried that, but that that may be on my calendar. <laughs> I haven't either, though. I haven't either. So, so um, I'll start with the podcast first. I launched my podcast in November of nineteen, and then summer of twenty twenty. I, I, I published an ebook. You can get it on Amazon and it, it's a short read. But what the reason why I launched my podcast against all the small business mindset is because I was having conversations with clients every single day that was not just about real estate. It was about, you know, everything else. It was about how do I establish myself as a LLC? Yeah. Um, what insurance needs do I need to have? Um, you know, what, what financing options can I have? And so it's all those other things. Then it's all within my resource net. But I was having, you know, one after, one conversation after the other, I'm like, what if I can just throw all this into kind of an easy resource guide that answers those questions? So that's where the ebook came from. It's like the the conversations I have on the podcast, you know, cover conversations from every across the board. But the the, the small business mindset, the ebook, how to turn your idea into a business, is just that. It walks you through the elements of a business plan to you know what what does this mean for you? And so it, I just wanted a guide um, to help people through that you know, and a resource that I could hand to clients, yeah. which is, which has been pretty powerful. Cause what we noticed too, during, during the last couple of years is that there are a lot of people that maybe had a little bit of a side gig happening and now they're ready to actually launch it and ready to get into business for themselves, but they've never done it before. So if I could offer a little bit of guidance to that process, then I'm, you know, that's where I, I put my, put my brain power where my, where my pen went and, and there's a publication that you can assist with that. Well, I think that's wonderful. You know, you're you're a busy woman, obviously, a professional speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've written a book. Um, you have, uh, and is this a second? Is yeah. this a second book, a Golfing second book. in Heels? It is. So, yeah. Golfing in Heels, I, I released it um, for the first time back in 2013, um, and I re-released it in 2020 with some expanded some some expanded parts of it and kind of more of a feedback. It's a self help book, mm-hmm. and so I realized. The reason why I wrote that book as a female in business, and I think Trini can probably identify this, Sean, obviously not a much, you're not my target market. But what I realized is that I took the game of golf, which I do play golf. I am awful at it, but I enjoy it. Um, just, just to place that caveat. But if you think of any other activity in the professional world where, you know, Sean, if you came and said, Hey, Trina, um, tomorrow I'm taking a client golfing, you know, and she's like, great, Sean, see you later. Right. Wouldn't even bat an eye. But if Trina came to you and said, hey, Sean, I'm going to go take a client and we're going to have a spa day tomorrow. You'd be like, oh, wow, what, really? You're going to do a spa day all day? We're like, yeah, I'm going to do a spa day all day. If you really think about it, those two activities accomplish the exact same goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're doing something, right? You're doing something that you're you're probably treating the client because you want to network and grow business. You're doing something that's probably relaxing, you know, in a beautiful setting, you know, good, good sights and smells and sounds. So you're getting all of the things and you're doing something that's probably good for your body. But it's, it's really just getting out of our own ways and realizing that 
it doesn't have to be golf. Mm-hmm. It, it, it can be an activity that supports all those things. And why are we afraid to go in that direction? At the same time, golf is here and golf has been around for a long time. It's more of a gentlemanly game. And I think a lot of women are very intimidated to get into that sport. And the beauty of golf, if either of you play golf, you can be any size, any athletic ability and play. And that's, that's amazing. You don't have to be tall to be a basketball player. You don't have, you know, I mean, if you, if you think about the physicality of that sport and really the entry point to that is pretty low. I mean, the barrier to get in, I mean, you don't have to go buy expensive clubs. You don't have, I mean, you don't have to do a lot of these things. And, you know, the way I got started playing golf, I played in charity golf tournaments mm-hmm. and I didn't even play in them. I sat at the table for my company and handed out the tchotchkes, you know, the, yeah. the koozies and whatever. And I realized, and and I was, I was fine doing that, but I realized I'm like, the people I really want to talk to you, I want to be on, work, you know, playing with that guy or that mm-hmm. lady, or I want to connect over here. And I want to be seen in that respect and not just the person sitting behind the table. So it's just, that's the conversation. And the subtitle to the book is what men know about golf that women need to master in life. That's just, that's, that's the analogy. It's like they are doing an activity that takes quite honestly a day that's very widely professionally accepted, but it, it checks the boxes in so many ways. And I'm like, how can we continue to, to engage each other in our client base in a way that doesn't have to be golf? Or if it is golf, how do we get engaged with that? How do we, how do we overcome the fear to do it? I think a lot of it is, is just conditioning. It's just human conditioning. Like you said, it's customary, you know, yeah. golf is, mm-hmm. is readily available um, it's, it's been kind of a timeless tradition where business professionals say, Hey, you want to go play around a golf? And, but what they really want to do is network and build and rapport talk about, yeah, yes. yeah, I want to build yeah. rapport with that person. And, and, uh, you know, as, as a lot of the old great salesmen will tell you that if once somebody likes you, you build rapport with them, if they like you, then they'll do business with you. Right. So I, exactly. I just, I want yeah. to go have an activity with you to get you to like me and see if we have some common ground. Um, mm-hmm. what happens if you try to, if you invite somebody to go play golf and they said, I hate golf, I would yeah, never go play. Right. That, you know, well, you've right already there. gotten up. So really it's in the conversation <laughs> okay. of what are you into? What yeah. do you like to do? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, right. you know, it may, it may end up being, uh, being pickleball or something else, but right. it's, it's more about you know. just spending time together and, and, uh, right. you know. I think you can maybe be, you go for a hike or maybe you experience an art, you know, experience together or something like yeah. that, but you're doing something that expands your, your, um, not only your, your mind and your experience, but also your connection with that person. Right. Well, we have, uh, we have an affiliate and he is in Arizona of all places. So this is going to sound out of kind of, kind of odd when I say the activity, but, uh, uh-huh. He had uh, a person that's a broker in that area. He was networking with. They went kayaking together. Oh, okay. I, mean, I would love that. Yeah, kayaking in the desert. I would hate golf, but I would yeah. love to go kayaking in the desert. Kayaking in the <laughs> desert. But uh-huh. when you get around that Phoenix Scottsdale area, there's a uh, there's a river nice there called river. the Salt mm-hmm. River, and it's it's beautiful, and a lot of people kayak that. So, um, but again, per- it's it's not it's not yeah. about kayaking. It's about it's right. about networking and building rapport, right? Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. So what's what's coming up? You know, we're uh, we're we're getting a little bit kind of towards the tail end of the show. Let's talk yeah. about uh, I- anything on the horizon for you, Kirsten. Any special yeah. projects you're working on? I saw your post on LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about that real quick. Uh, you yeah. just uh, and and you'll have to help me with the name of it. I don't have it in front of me right now, but it's it sounded okay. like, sounded like a great organization. It is a great organization. The post I made yesterday was about the Community Children's Center. And so I'm always amazed over time how business 
business-focused change as far as what really drives economic development. And if I could, you know, go back five or six years ago, anytime, you know, in the commercial real estate world, a lot of times we receive like RFPs, a request for proposals from different companies wanting to locate in your area. And gosh, what a great position to be in to be able to respond to those. And over time, the needs have changed. And here, and I'm specifically talking about Lawrence, Kansas. So five, six years ago, we did not have a technical training center. And that was one thing that when we got a request from a company, hey, we want to locate here, we can say, yes, we have some land. Yes, we have, we're open to incentives, but gosh, we can't provide your employees with any kind of workforce. So our community got together and created a, a workforce training center and it's called Peasley Tech and it's located in Lawrence, Kansas. A lot of other communities have similar programs, but they're like, yay, we checked the box, we have it. And then as time went on, um, you know, one of the things that we talked about too, especially during pandemic, another aha from pandemic, a lot of people left the workforce. They left the workforce yeah. for one reason or another, but a lot of times it's because they have young kids at home mm-hmm. and they needed to, you know, they needed to be there and, and, you know, having to go back into the office didn't make sense for them, but it's even bigger than that. And so the community children's center, which is headquartered in Nichols County, Kansas, they have done some phenomenal initiatives and being a, you know, working mom myself, even though my kids are a little older now, I, I completely understand this dynamic. You know, if we are thinking about the future of our, not only our economy, but the future of our, you know, our country, it starts with early childhood. It starts with giving young people and young families or, you know, families that are raising young children the opportunity to engage in quality, affordable child care if it's needed or quality, affordable resources or community resources that gives them the opportunity to raise that young child in a loving, caring, community-minded way. So it gives them success before they even start school. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, through my work with um, the Lawrence Chamber of Commerce and the EDC of Douglas County, that was an initiative that really struck my interest because I'm like, you know, that, that is the baseline of where we should be thinking. Because if we can't have parents who have a need for their young children to be cared for, and even cared for in a 24-7 capacity. But but if those parents are the best person that we need to come work for their company, but we can't even get them to come to work because they need this help. Mm-hmm. Or we can't even recruit them. I and mean, we have companies that are trying to pay, you know, signing bonuses and they're stealing employees from one company to the other and they're they're fighting this jam. I'm like, what do they really want? Do they really want, you know, double pay? Or do they really want someone to care for their child so they can actually come into work? And so that was that dynamic. And so through, you know, um, different funding sources, meaning one of it's through ARPA funds, um, our county supported this program. You know, we set them up, you know, through a number of partners help. Now they just purchased a building where they're going to house their early childhood center and they're going to able to expand early childhood programming and development throughout our county. And my hope is, is that this, this particular facility is going to be, be a model for, you know, other, other programs across the state. Mm-hmm. I recently had a conversation with um, Wyandotte County through their economic development resources about a similar thing. I'm like, there, there's needs that happen, uh, not only across our region, but across our country. It's like early childhood development is most definitely an economic development driver. It's not, not something you traditionally think of, but it is most definitely something that we need to embrace. So, you know, that's definitely a project that I'm working on and I'm excited about it. Um, to get that up and running here probably in the next 18 to 24 months. But in addition to that, believe it or not, residential development is going to be key to commercial development. I think we looked at the housing crisis and supply and demand, how it's out of whack right now. 
And I think it's working with our individual communities to figure out, hey, how can we grow? What where can we annex and working with our municipalities to figure out what infrastructure needs need to have in place? So I'm having a lot of conversations right now about how that can happen, not only within Lawrence, but in Topeka and Kansas City. It's like, where is the growth coming from residentially? Mm-hmm. Because here in a couple of years with our new you know, friends with Panasonic, we're going to have thousands of people that would love to move into the area and experience all that Midwest has to offer, you know, and, and even our, our lower housing costs than you would find on the coast. We need to build houses to put them there. Yeah, so they're going to have to, what I'm working on. They're yeah. going to have to have a place to live. Absolutely. Yeah. You got it. Mm-hmm. You got it. So that, that's what I'm working on right now. And there's a lot of opportunity that comes with that. Very good. How do, uh, before we get off here, how do listeners find your book? How would they, yeah. how would they get a hold of your books? Absolutely. So my books are on Amazon, but if you want a really quick link to get a hold of me, go to my website. It's kirstenflory.com. There are tabs in there that can direct you to my podcast, direct you to my publications, or just connect with me in general. Very good. And uh, the podcast show, tell them how to find the podcast show. Yeah, it's on all the places you get your podcasts. <laughs> so whether you're on you know, Spotify or Google Podcasts or wherever, there's also a link through my website too. Again, it's called The Small Business Mindset. Very good. Well, Kirsten, this has been awesome. Yeah. Uh, we, we appreciate all the, uh, the, the insight into commercial real estate and the story about uh, beginning your own brokerage. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, you are a very, very talented person, and we, we feel blessed to have you on the show. Uh, get in there and read the books, ladies and gentlemen. The Small Business Mindset, also that's the name of the podcast. Also, Golfing in Heels, a re-release of that book. We'll take videos when Sean tries it. Yeah. Golfing and heels. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. I want a picture, Sean. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Those those will be for sale. Those are not going to be free. But um, we will uh, we'll make sure and put in the show notes today. So when we load this online on the Sale Ring Podcast Show, we'll have links to the book, to the podcast show, and we want to thank Kirsten Flory uh, for joining us. Check out Foundations Commercial Real Estate in Lawrence, Kansas. That is her brokerage and. Uh, I think that's about a wrap, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. We appreciate you tuning into the show. Where'd that come from? <laughs> Got something playing Sean's in the background. It's like, and he just presses I'm them just when he feels like it. Touching everything. All right. We'll uh, look forward to seeing you next time inside the sale ring. Thank you for joining us for today's show. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesalering.com now. We appreciate your feedback and encourage you to share the show with other industry pros like yourself. Join us next time as we meet you inside The Sale Ring.